Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic hits. Well, the first thing I want to talk about, a very serious note, two sisters have said they have uh, been released from the shame which has haunted them after a former Donegal priest was jailed for 15 months for the horrific sexual abuse he inflicted upon them when they were children. Uh, Con Cunningham, now aged 86 years of age, pleaded guilty before Letterkenny Circuit Court today to eight counts of indecent assault between 1971 and 1975. Passing sentence, Judge uh, Aylmer said the abuse had an appalling impact on the lives of the victims, Margaret and Paula Martin. Speaking uh, following the sentencing, the sister said, Today we are released from the shame which has haunted us, a shame which was never ours. It now sits where it should and always should have been. And the women who were aged 11 and 13 years of age at the time and 9 and 12 years of age at the time of the abuse waived their right to remain anonymous uh, to name Cunningham, of course. They appealed to any other victims to come forward. We are consistent, are conscious too that this may open many wounds of other survivors. Please do not suffer in silence, they said. We are looking forward to life beyond this, to recovery and peace. Cunningham is now living in a homeless hostel in Dublin and is frail in health. Meanwhile, last Monday, we spoke about the other night, a former Christian brother who, in the early 1970s, took young boys to the head of the class, put his hand down their pants and trousers and sexually assaulted them, has also been jailed for three years. Again, he's an old age pensioner as such. So that's why the judge said on this occasion, because of his ill health, which there was evidence given to that fact, it was certainly a factor taken into consideration during sentence. He probably would have went to jail for a lot longer uh, if he had been a bit younger and in better health. Uh, most likely he may die in jail or could die in jail. I'm sure for a lot of people that wouldn't be a a tragic story if he did. But anyway, the point I was making the other night in relation to these stories and many others, so many stories, and you know, when we read these stories now, we're meant to be really shocked by them. But unfortunately, we have become desensitised, which is really sad because it happens so often. And all of these cases, generally when we talk about the scouts and we talk about Jimmy Savile or people in the media or we talk about priests, which of course there was, God knows how many reports about priests. And we talked about Father Brendan Smith going back uh, to the early part of the 2000s. And of course, when Cardinal Brady, who said he was a note taker at the time, witnessed young boys signing, you know, declarations of silence that they wouldn't tell anybody. And Cardinal Brady, knowing that Brendan Smith was what he was, a man who... They believed probably sexually abused around 140 children, not just here in Ireland, by the way, in Northern Ireland, but also in America as well, in Boston and places like that too. You may have seen there was mention of it in the Spotlight movie. And uh, probably one of the only people in, the, in Ireland who has concrete poured over his grave. And the reason they did that, the father Brendan Spit back in 2009, I think, when he died, was that they didn't want anybody to steal the body because he was so hated because there were so many victims to his crimes. And I was talking about this the other night, and I decided I'd I'd bring it to the daytime show, obviously because of a much bigger audience during the day. But what I was thinking about was all of these priests, Christian brothers, people in media possibly as well, scout leaders, everybody knew what they were doing. Most people, I remember even in my own school, there was a Christian brother who was fond of children, just let's say. And everybody knew there was a kind of rumour in the school when I started in first year. Oh, don't run up a crowded stairs if he's behind you. Then why? Because he'll feel your arse. And that was well known. Now, we were 11 or 12, so we didn't do anything about it. We just thought he was a creep. So we weren't expected to do anything about it. But 
other teachers and principals and other people in schools all over the country knew who these individuals were, these Christian brothers, these priests, these lay teachers, or wherever they happen to be, they knew who they were. There were stories about them. I mean, this particular priest, by the way, the former Christian brother who I say got three years there on Monday uh, for his victims, he ran young children naked around a field. Other teachers would have seen that. Other adults, other people of authority would have seen that. But nobody did anything. Now, in those days, that wasn't illegal. That was a moral choice. Now, back in 2012, we changed the criminal justice will, whereby if that happens now and you're aware of a situation like that and you don't report it to the guards, you were equally guilty of a crime. But that didn't apply then and we didn't apply the law retrospectively because, as Jude mentioned the other night on the radio, it would be difficult to apply laws retrospectively. Otherwise, we'd need very busy or big j- jails. But... Do you believe they should be held responsible? Do you believe those responsible for those deeds or who knew what was going on? I'm not talking about the people who actually assaulted people, but the other priests, the other bishops, the other Christian brothers, the other teachers, the other people in media, whoever they were, who knew what was going on. I mean, look at the amount of people who knew Jimmy Savile was a creeping into children. The BBC, most people in the BBC probably knew it. Ah, oh, yeah, you know him. Savile, ah, oh, yeah, watch him. Children around, he gets a little bit fresh with his hands. Those kind of rumours that were going around. But nobody ever reported it. People even witnessed it, but never reported it. The argument is, from people, ah, that's the way it was in those days. You know what I mean? You kind of just said nothing, you know? Creepy Uncle Johnny, you just said nothing. That was the argument in those days. And, and I know it's difficult to look back at the 1960s and 70s to 2021 glasses. And, you know, I'm kind of, I suppose, attach our morals from today to the morals of then because it was different times. But I want to know, do you believe, the question I want to ask you today is, the people who knew what was going on, who were aware that, you know, Brother Johnny or Priest Pat or, you know, Media Man Tony or wherever it was, was abusing children, or had a serious sexual interest in children, and they knew that and didn't report it, and there's proof of that, should they be held accountable now? Do you believe they should be held accountable right now? Let me know. The number is 087-188-0008. And not just sexual abuse, by the way, physical abuse. Teachers who were harming children on a daily basis, and people knew about it and did nothing. Do you believe those people should be held accountable now, in 2021, if we know who they are? Let me know what you think. The number is 087-188-008. That's 087-188-008. And you can share your story with us, of course. Uh, Paul, you're in Ireland's Classic Kids. How are you doing, Paul? Hi, how are you doing? Now, Paul, in relation to the idea, firstly, of, you know, applying laws retrospectively, I mean, to people who knew what was going on, and I know you, Paul, you suffered physical, emotional and sexual abuse. And maybe, first of all, you could remind people of, of what happened to you. If, well, I, if, it doesn't, if it doesn't upset you too much, by the way, Paul, sorry. Yeah, no, I mean, like, basically, I'm a second-generation survivor, right? Now, uh, my mother, she was adopted was, uh, from Ireland to Scotland by a family over there. He was an ex-policeman. And he had two daughters of his own, but the only reason, as far as I can see, is that he took my mother and was the raper. So from the age of seven on up to 17, 18, he was raping my mother every day. Oh, my. So she left pregnant. Now, I don't know if 
my grandfather is my father, if you know what I mean. I know what you mean, yes, I do know what you mean. Right? So basically, she left when she was pregnant and ended up in Shepherd's Bush in England, where she met another fella that signed my birth certificate. Now, uh, the next thing was is that they moved to Ireland because he was a thundering alcoholic and she was suffering from depression. So they moved out to um, a small country town where the person in the house took a fancy to her and tried a few things and all. So basically, when she wouldn't um, do what they wanted, they called the cruelty man and said that she tried to smother me with a pillow. So the cruelty man came, took me at six months old, and put me into Nazareth House. Now, nowadays, of course, the, the cruelty man doesn't exist. You, you would have Tusla nowadays, or the social services who would intervene in these situations. Yeah. Yeah, but, but now these days, what's the difference? Mm. Do you know, like, uh, like, I won't even get into that. Okay, but, well, look, uh, okay, so you were, you were taken to Nazareth House. Yeah, and then my mother was... And how old, sorry, how old were you, Paul, at that stage? I was six months. Six months old, okay. I was six months old. And my mother was put into a psychiatric hospital in Killarney, where she was raped again in Killarney. So she ended up in a mandolin laundry pregnant. And then from the mandolin laundry, she ended up in Bresborough to have her child. So the child turned out to be uh, biracial. And after he was born, he was put in with me into Nazareth House when he was about six months old. So basically, I suppose my earliest memory of being abused was being brought in to a room that they kept for priests. And that would have been about four or five years of age, where I was raped and molested inside by a priest. And that would have been my first memory of it. And then, I suppose, the physical... How old, sorry, Paul, how old was the priest that did this? Were they young men or were they... Because I suppose in those days, priests were a bit younger. Most priests nowadays are quite old because there's not very many left around now. But how old were these priests? Were they younger men or older men? Well, this fellow was kind of... He had grey hair. That's all I can remember. Okay, so he would have been an older man. Yeah, okay. Okay. Not not that it matters. I'm I'm just curious. I'm just curious. Yeah, he was just an older priest, basically. Yeah. yeah. Do you know, I need grey hair. And I remember bleeding afterwards. And I was wondering what it was. But again, I couldn't tell anybody because if I did, I'd get a hiding. And they wouldn't believe me anywhere. So uh, I suppose between the physical, the sexual, and the emotional, and the starvation inside in that place was horrendous. And I mean, and but, but Paul, years. again, I, I don't want to be insensitive and I certainly don't want to bring you through the whole thing again and remind you of everything that happened to you. Not that I believe it ever goes away anyway. But I mean, was this a regular occurrence? Was it happened regularly or was it just one or two instances that you can remember or was it a regular occurrence? No, it was only because you see the, the room that they had for, uh, for, the, for the priest was kind of um, a sabbatical. Right. Okay. Do you know, like, that they'd come um, for maybe a week's holidays. Yeah. And then they'd go back to their own parishes or... So they would use it for... Yeah, they would use it for retreats and things like that, yeah. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. 
Um, it only happened to me twice in that between the age of five and the age of eight. Okay. You know, but when you say only uh, only happened to you twice, I mean you were a child for God's sake. Yeah. Well, well, you know, like yeah, I'm, know. I'm looking at the most. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. and that's what you have to. That's what you have to think to yourself. Do you know what I mean? Like there's a lot of other lads that got it a lot worse than I did. See, there was a, there was this there was this kind of view, I suppose, that you know, if you came from a dysfunctional family and ended up in any of these these homes, that somehow not only were you were a burden on the state and a burden on the on well, they were getting paid for keeping you in there, of course, the religious orders, uh, they got paid, but you know, by the state for keeping you there, but also you were worth less. That was the kind of view that was taken, wasn't it? You were worth less than the average child out of the street because, of course, you were unwanted, and you, that that was the kind of view they took. Well, you see, it, 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 you were left in nothing. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, you were an animal, even less than an animal. Do you know? And, I mean, like, I remember when I used to go to the school in Tralee, when I was allowed out to go to school, because they used to teach us up to four or five, and then when it came to school age, you were put out into the, into the normal schools, we, uh, we call The them. mainstream, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the mainstream. And I remember the teachers baiting absolute crap out of me because I was who I was. Because I came from the Naz. We were known as the Naz boys. So you were the uh, you were the orphans, essentially, yeah. Essentially, yeah. yeah. And we had nobody to care for us. And the teachers took advantage of that. And I remember one particular teacher, she was a woman. But she was the most vicious woman besides the nuns that I've ever had the misfortune to come across. Uh, she used to have a big stick, a round one, about maybe four or five foot long. And she beat absolutely hell out of me with it. And it was painted green. I remember that. And uh, what, what year was this, by the way, Paul? I suppose I was born in 68... I'm not. I'm not very good at maths now, because right. I so okay. So it was somewhere in the the mid. It was somewhere in the early and mid seventies. Yeah. I would have been about eight, seven, eight years of age. Yeah. And she was every day I'd come in. She used to be a crap out of me. Because people listening to this at home today are thinking to themselves, "Ah, she. That's the kind of stuff that happened in the 1900s or something." <laughs> they all. I mean, this isn't that long ago. When we think about it in real terms, it was, you went to school at the same time as me. So this isn't that. I, I was born in 1963. I'm a little bit older than you. So this, it, it, this is not like you know thousands of years ago. This is only one generation ago, as such. That's all it is, you see. Yeah. And then you see, if you went back and you said that you got a hiding in school, you get another hiding at home, mm. which, which which we used to call the home. And I mean, like by night, I used to wet the bed. Do you know. Well, what, what I want, yeah, but what I wanted to focus on was when you were sexually abused and when you were physically yeah. abused with this woman that you described with the green stick as well. There was other adults and people of authority in those buildings who most likely knew that that particular priest, you know, had a, a liking for young children, a sexual attraction to young children. They would have had to have known. I know a lot of it was about power, by the way, not just attraction. It was about power. But they, there was other priests there or, I don't know, bishops that would have visited regularly or lay people that worked there. The same in the school with, the, with that woman. They must have known what they were doing to the children, other adults. But you see, they all knew, every one of them knew but they would do nothing about it. 
because from a child's point of view, if you look at it, nearly every one of the teachers in those days back their children, one way or another. And I presume it was their own secret. And anyway, in those days, it was law. That, that they could do it. Well, absolutely. And many teachers did, as you say, batter the children or slap them, certainly with rulers and sticks. But they didn't sexually abuse them. That that no. would have been more unusual, although it was happening quite a lot, unfortunately. It w- well, I mean, like, I was never sexually abused in the mainstream school. I know that. Yeah, it was but in the, the, in the Nazareth you were, it, yes. Yeah, in the Nazareth. But you see, if you look at it, in the Nazareth it was run by nuns. And the nuns were run by... By, by the priests. So they would have never questioned the priest in those days why they brought a boy into their rooms. And the Garda Sheikhana at the time, many guards, because I've heard stories in relation to St. Patrick's Home on the Navan Road where, you know, a, a guard might go into a sergeant and say, there's something fishy going on over there, you know, because they, they have the, on the Navan Road, the Garda station across the road. And the, the sergeant would say something along the lines of, and I'm paraphrasing, but, Asha, that's their own business, leave them at it. In other words, it was just ignored. Like, they had free reign to do what they wanted. Yeah, but you see, that's another thing, uh, is that I ran away when I was about eight years of age. Eight, nine years of age, and I ended up in Limerick. And I ended up in the St. George Hotel in Limerick. And to tell you the truth, I don't even know how I got there. I just hopped on the train and got there. About two hours later, there was two guardies there as well as a nun. And the minute I went out of that hotel and in the car, all I could see coming towards me was fists flying by the guardie. To take you back again? To take me back again. And I got an and at any at any stage, I, I, you know, I mean, I know you were young, and you wouldn't have had a great understanding of what was happening to you, and you would have been afraid maybe to say anything. But at any stage, to to another member of authority or to another adult, did you ever say I was raped by that priest, or that priest interfered with me, or he touched me in a way I don't believe was right, did, or I was bleeding uh, after he did? Did you ever say that to any of them? I mean, who we want to say it to? There was nobody there to say it to. If you went to the nuns, you got an almighty hiding. If you went to the mainstream school and told them, you get another hiding there. And they tell you, oh, cop on. Do you know what I mean? So, but, but, no, but, but that's the point, I'm, the point I'm making is, is that other adults knew. So the reason you were afraid to say it to anybody else is because they all knew what was going on and thought nothing of it anyway. Exactly. And even if you did tell them, they wouldn't believe you. That was... In, in that day. And do you, you, do know, you think, I, do you think when I, when I mentioned the stories of the two sisters this morning and, and the lads the other night I was talking about as well, uh, again, the 71-year-old priest who was sentenced to three years in jail, do, do you believe that the, the individuals who knew these people, who knew they were paedophiles, who knew they were sexually abusing children or had a likening for, sexually a likening for children, do you believe those other adults or people of authority should be charged now with not reporting it, even though that wouldn't have been the law at the time. But do you believe there should be some sort of charge or some sort of responsibility or some sort of culpability for what they did? Because they did, they're did they equally as bad, aren't they? Definitely. I, I think they should be charged. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. but, I mean, like, again, these people knew what was going on. They covered it up. They allowed it to happen. They did. They enabled it, of course. Yes. And definitely they should be charged. I don't know what crime they'd be charged with, but they should be charged with something. 
And, and, they, and if if not, they should be, you know, like gone after by the people mm-hmm. that the abuse was suffered by. And they left it go on and on and on. Because I, I know, well, I don't personally know, because it, thankfully it didn't happen to me. But I, I was physically abused in school, like most people in school in this country in those days. But from a sexual point of view, I was never sexually abused or anything like that, thankfully. And I, I can't imagine what it's like to live with that life sentence, you know, of remembering that. And I'm certainly not probably helping you today but making you relive it on the radio. But, but that life sentence of thinking about that, and I'm sure it never leaves your mind, Paul. Well, you see, it, it, it never does. I mean, like people often say to me, look, it happened 40 years ago. Get over it. Do you know what I mean? Oh, well, it's not that easy, is it? And, and you turn around and you say, yeah, do you know, like, it, it has. And you put it to the back of your mind, but there's night stain when you wake up and you don't know why you're waking up. Suddenly you have a pain in your, in your bottom. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's just, it's just flashbacks all the time. And this is what people really don't understand is that, as you just said there, this is not just a year or two of a sentence. This is a life sentence for us. And what, what more, I'm, I'm sorry I'm running a bit short in time, Bob, but what more do you believe the state can do now? The state has obviously apologised for what has happened and for the role they played as the state in allowing the, the, the church to have so much power at the time and looking after children. But what, what more do you believe the state can do at this point? Well, I believe that the state should actually keep their promises 21 years ago that they haven't kept. They, this, is, this, is when Bertie Hearn, this is when Bertie Hearn, of course, would have been involved in... That's right. Yes. In 1999 when he made the apology. Yes. Right? And they set up, as I, uh, as I tell you, the consultation talks. Right? And we feel, as survivors, that we put in proposals now that will actually help survivors for the rest of their lives. But as we were told, there's no pot of gold at the rainbow, but yet you can give alpaca support a job that ruined the modern baby home um, report, and yet you can't look after the people that the state allowed to be raped, beaten, starved, and not even educated. A lot of us weren't educated until later on in life. Well, how could you get an education when you have a, an experience like that? Paul, listen, I wish you well. And listen, thank you very much indeed, I, because we're trying to open people's eyes, I suppose, to what really happened and who should really be responsible. And I appreciate you coming on the air today, Paul, and I wish you well, all right? There's Paul, who's been through quite a lot in his life, as you can well imagine, and all he wants is for the state to recognise that and properly support the people who've been through that. But he also believes those who knew about it and other people in authority who are well aware of it, because they talk about, say, the, the priests. There was only probably 1% or 2% of priests who were actually sexually abusing children, but it was the biggest problem was the amount of priests and bishops that knew about it and did nothing, or indeed just moved them to another parish. That they should also be responsible, as far as Paul is concerned, as many other people are saying too, People of authority, adults who knew, scout leaders, etc., etc., who knew that individuals were sexually abusing or raping children, that they should also be responsible. Let me know what you think. Should they be? The number is 87 188 Let me go to Catherine Coffey O'Brien, who joins me on the line. Good afternoon to you, Catherine. Good afternoon. Uh, Catherine, I've been talking today to... I spoke to Paul just before the break there, who had been raped at five years of age uh, in Nazareth House. 
uh, by a priest and went on to, obviously he had a difficult life and he went on to be abused in school then as well, industrial schools later on. Um, but I suppose the, the real question is that so many people knew when we talked about Brendan Smith the other night, by the way, on the radio, we talked about Cardinal Brady, who was a note taker at the time and was well aware of the abuse that Brendan Smith was committing to young boys and girls. Uh, yeah, I know what direction you're going on this. Yeah, um, well, I'm, uh, I'm ask, I, uh, what I'm asking you is people in authority who knew what was going on, not the perpetrators themselves. Do you believe they should be culpable? Yeah, I do, actually. And I'll tell you why. Because my mother was raised in an industrial school. And I was in Nazareth Industrial School. And one of the nuns there was moved from an upper-class secondary school by the Department of Education because of her brutality towards the upper-class girls. And she was moved into the Nazareth. And she, bat- she battered the living crap out of us. And when I reported to my social worker at the time as a child, now remember, I'm, inter- I'm intergenerational. My mother was a man. Yeah. The guards were brought into the front lounge and so was the social worker. And the guard said, you must have done something to deserve it. So I learned from a young age, never to depend on anyone, that had a position of power as a young female. So realistically, anyone that was aware of this, how are we going to, we speak in Ireland about equality and feminism and all those great words, but we actually don't really apply them when it comes to marginalised people, especially people who never got a fighting chance from the day they were born. I was born... And I ended up in the same industrial school my mother was in, and then I was in a mother and baby home. How do we break the cycle? And more so, the narrative of this history. How do we address this? Now, which is very concerning to me, because when we look back on this, when I'm long gone, how are our granddaughters, our future daughters of Ireland going to be treated? Is history going to repeat itself? Are people going to look the other way? Another thing is that, Minister Saponi got a position there in the last couple of days. That's right, yeah. Minister Saponi did not. She had an opportunity to give closure to a lot of people. She did not. And she, to be honest about it, she lobbied for that job. She wanted that job. Well, in the survival world, what you want and what you're getting are two different things because we weren't educated. We weren't taught anything about, about the, in the real world. All we knew was brutality. Brutality. Oh, by the way, I have my files. I can prove this. Yeah, no, no, I'm, I, Catherine, I wouldn't doubt uh, a, a segment of your story. Because, I, because I, I listen to people every day with very similar stories. So I, I have no doubt it was wholesale. Absolutely. We live in a theocracy. And don't be under any delusions. If, if the public have to take to the streets to fight for the National Maternity Hospital, we're still living in a theocracy. And the reformation of the Catholic Church... I'm not into organised religion. My religion is how you treat people. But we still live in a theocracy. And they're still in the shadows. They're still in the shadows. And when it comes down to their brutality, I saw things happen to children when I was a child myself that I should have never seen. Remember, we were in the care of the state. And by the way... I and you, By the way, and you were children as well. You're not meant to do anything exactly. about it when you're a child. Oh, yeah. But, 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 but getting back to... I mean, I mentioned the other night about the... the there was a priest the other night, Father Manning, who, who went to jail for, uh, you know, um, he was 71 years of age. We had another two sisters today have come forward. Uh, of course, uh, they have been released from their shame, they said, which is haunting them because uh, Con Cunningham, now age 86, pleaded guilty before Letterkenny Circuit Court on eight counts of indecent assault between 71 and 75. And that's probably just sample cases, probably a lot more than that. So he's gone to jail now at 80, 86 years of age. And we hear so many of these stories. 
But what I keep thinking about all the time when I listen to your story, Catherine, I listen to Paul's story before the break particularly as well, but, and he talks about being brought into this room and raped as a five-year-old boy and, and blood coming from his anus and, all, and, and these horrible, horrible stories. And I think there was other people that knew this was happening. There was yeah. other priests. There was Garda Shia Look, Khanna, as I you mentioned. You, and so why, why aren't they in front of a judge? I don't, you know something, it's all nepotism. An example of nep- the nepotism goes on in this country is that a, a former minister that was over the mother and baby inquiry can walk into another job. Oh, I know, I know. And Michal Martin turned around yesterday and said, uh, that's the last we'll be hearing of it. <laughs> in, other words, in other words, we won't be hearing anymore. And that's just, the, that's just the way it is. What I want to say about what I'm, I'm going to answer your question, I will tell you something. I was asked inside the NASA to bring a tray of food up to the front lounge. There was a visiting uh, priest, I know, the Jesuit who asked. I remember the nun telling me in the kitchen, knock on the door, Catherine, leave the tray down and come straight down. Years later, I met her. She'd left the nuns and all that. Now, I'm not, and she was a very nice woman. I won't wrong her. And I asked her, I'll say, I said, it bothered me. I said, sister, and she said, I'm not a nun anymore, Catherine. I said, sister, why did you tell me knock on that door and leave straight away? And this nun was a particularly nice nun, and they were a rarity. But she was a nice nun. And she said, Catherine, she said to me when I asked her years later, two decades later, she goes, because he asked specifically for you. Mm-hmm. And I was, and she knew. And the thing was, was that there was a hierarchy within these convents as well. There was a hierarchy within these, like, the Jesuits are after coming out and apologising two weeks ago. Yet there was, ironically, a conference. We're going around in circles and we're not getting any closure. I mean, you... And so, so when, when you say you're not getting any closure, okay, you know, the, the, the Taoiseach has apologised to the Magdalene Laundries. They've apologised to the children who've been abused in mother and baby homes. Uh, they've apologised to the women of the mother and baby homes. They've set up redress, uh, you know, in many occasions. There still has obviously some to be sorted out. And I, and I know uh, you, when you mean closure, you want a proper report, not like the half-baked report no, that came out no. a couple of, week, well, a couple of months ago there. First of all is that there has to be narrative of this history has to be done with the consultation of all survivors. It has to be done because we are the collective memory. We are the ones that we are the ones who lived it. Also, the support that were promised should be given and stop. And the stop is like when it comes down to it, that the community of survivors that the support from place so that for future generations to enable and empower and to break. The cycle. I couldn't. I couldn't agree with you more, Catherine. I'm running a bit short on time, and I do apologise for cutting everybody a bit short today. But Catherine makes a really good point. We have to make sure that history doesn't repeat itself. The people are well aware of what happened in the past, and those, of course, that were responsible for these crimes or who knew about these crimes happening are held responsible. Otherwise, it'll just happen again. So many calls, so many texts. I do have to apologise. I could do a six-hour show and give everybody a half an hour, which is what they deserve. But unfortunately, I'm very restricted by time. Uh, Christy are on Ireland's Classic Hits. How you doing, Christy? How you doing, Noel? I was on TV forward about this a few years ago. Okay, well, what, happened, what happened to you? No, I was abused when I was 13. And um, I can't say where or when or who, but... Well, I, I know. My, my producers told me already, and, yeah. and the individual who was responsible, I know you didn't take a case against him, but other boys did, and he was jailed for four years. Yeah, um, well, I was meant to go to take a case against him, but anyway, that's yeah. another story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. or whatever. But 
Um, yes, the people that knew, um, it was like all the abuse in this country, or I don't know about any other country, but this country, the bottom of Ireland was just lifted up and it was all pushed underneath it. And the people that knew about it, the guards, the TDs, the government, they have to take some responsibility for their actions, for not coming forward and telling the right people there was no good going to the, the TDs or whatever because they already knew about it. And they have to take some responsibility for their actions for not coming forward and telling us. We've got a life sentence. These monsters that abused us, they're getting away with it. They're getting a few years in jail because they're too old or whatever. That's, that seems, well, the last three cases I've heard of, which is over the last week and a half, uh, all the perpetrators have been over the age of kind of 70, 75. This one, 86 yesterday, by the way. Um, and, you know, they get two or three years in jail because it's taken into consideration a doctor's report that they're not well and they're 86 years of age. And sure, the, the sentence is usually quite lenient. The laws in this country have to change. The laws in this country about paedophiles go back thousands, I don't know, hundreds of years. And the laws have to change because we have a life sentence. And, and, and what, what happened to you, Chrissy, what age, I, I don't want to go into too much detail of what happened to you because I don't want to be cutting you short uh, and disrespecting your story, but you were sexually abused at what age? 14. 13 years of age. I was three times. And I, can't, I can remember the first two, but I can't remember the total and I have no idea. I know it happened, but yeah. I have no idea. I actually died that day or whatever, that morning or evening or whatever, I died and it still haunts me. Yeah, I'm getting the help I need it now. But see, but, other people knew. The thing about it is, in this particular case, and I, I know who you're referring to, there was individuals at the time who knew he was up to something, he's up to no good. You know what I mean? He yeah. and, and stories were going around about him. Just like most yeah. of these abusers, by the way, other adults and other people in authority knew what they were doing but did nothing about it. Yeah, and what I find now is is that, you know, you might tell someone, uh, a conversation might come up and you might tell someone, and their attitude, and you know by their body language, the way they look at you as if you're just a piece of dirt on the bottom of your shoe. And, you know, it goes back again to these people who knew what was going on. They treated you like a piece of shit. And they have to take responsibility for their actions for covering up some of them covered up for for the priest the, whoever else it was they have to take responsibility for their actions and this crack of 20 or 30 years you know on and of 50 years or 60 years on and they say they feel remorse no they don't but but isn't it isn't it strange when you hear of a case you know and somebody says and I suppose the classic example would be Jimmy Savile right yeah. and, and when it all came out about Jimmy Savile you know, there was people in the BBC went, ah, yeah, sure, we knew that. Sure, everybody knew that. And go, well, why didn't somebody say that? Because um, it wasn't affecting them. And what I find is um, a lot of people, that once it doesn't affect them or their family, once it doesn't come to their front door. But, you, but that wouldn't that. be, I don't think that would be the case now, Christy. Because, of course, there is a law now, by the way, since 2012, the Criminal Justice Bill, whereby if you do know of something going on like that and you don't report it, you're as bad as the person who does it. But that law didn't apply then. But even morally, you would wonder why people do it. I mean, I don't think that could happen now. I mean, if I knew of somebody sexually abusing an adult, sexually abusing a child, I'd be straight to a guard station. 
in all fairness, um, I'd, I'd go to the guard station after I was finished. Well, yeah, okay. Them. I I can understand how that would make you feel, particularly because of your your own personal experiences. So do do you believe that the laws that were brought in in 2012-13, the Criminal Justice Act, do you believe that should be applied retrospectively to people in authority from the 1960s, 70s, 80s, who were aware of the sexual abuse, you know, that doctors and be, yeah. media people and, and priests were committing? It should be, and regardless of their age, they ha- like people, I have to take responsibility for my actions. So why shouldn't they, they take responsibility for their actions when it was going on? They have to they have to take some sort of responsibility for it. Listen, Christy, I, I wish you well, uh, and I hope life, uh, you know, time makes things a little bit easier for you. I don't think it ever will, but I think it's something that will be always on your mind for the rest of your life. I have no idea what, what that has to be or what that can be like, 13 years of age, to happen to a child. It's horrendous. Uh, and by the way, personally, I completely agree with you in relation to what you would like to do to the people who commit those kind of crimes and children. I don't think, I think jail is too good for them, to be honest with you. Uh, it is, yeah. yeah. Listen, Christy, I wish you well. Listen, thanks very much indeed for getting in contact with us today. All right. All right. There you go. Christy, and many others, many other stories, by the way. I'll try, maybe try and put on one or two more people after the break as well. A lot of people, by the way, texting in in relation to stories of being abused either sexually or physically as children by priests, lay people, of all denominations, Anthony, by the way, didn't mention just the Catholic Church. It was the Catholic Church, of course, predominantly they were in Ireland. That's why we mentioned the Catholic Church, of course, but by many different religious denominations. Uh, also in the media too as well and I suppose the question we were asking today was the people and the other adults who are aware of what went on and aware of the abuse um, they haven't been made, made responsible or culpable for these crimes because there wasn't a law at the time saying that you had to report it or you had to report somebody who you believed you know was kind of had an attraction to children or was doing that kind of thing and <clears throat> I suppose maybe we can't apply laws retrospectively but people believe they should be responsible now, I'm looking at an interesting piece here, actually, by the way. Uh, it's in the Roscommon Herald. Roscommon, sick sexual abuser is jailed. A 75-year-old man described as a sick sexual abuser has been jailed for nine years after being convicted of orally raping and sexually assaulting his partner's daughter in the late 1980 or 1990s. Uh, Christopher Ashmore, 75, with an address in uh, Ballyfarnham in County Roscommon, had pleaded not guilty to five counts of sexually assaulting the girl, which included two charges, uh, on different locations in Dublin on dates between January 1988 and December. And the jury found him guilty on four charges. Uh, the victim, by the way, waived her right to remain anonymous. And on the line, I, I have her mother, Teresa. Teresa, good afternoon to you on Ireland's Classic Hits. How are you? Hi, Niall. Good afternoon. And I'm very sorry to hear what happened to your daughter, but I'm delighted to see that justice finally has been given and somebody's in jail for it. But obviously you believe the justice system is not good enough. Um. Well... You know, it was a half-decent sentence, I have to say, Niall. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because all too often, you just see them walking away with a slap on the wrist. Well, I have to say, you know, I know you're saying to yourself it's not a good enough sentence, and you're probably right. Probably the rest of their life in jail would be the best thing for them. But in saying yeah. that, uh, nine years, in comparison to the two cases I have before me, which was one actually exactly. yesterday, was three years, and three years yeah. uh, last week as well for the four boys as well in, in the school here in Dublin too. Uh, again, because they were 71 and 86 years of age, respectively. This man was 75 years of age. And it's normally taken into consideration, but at least the judge in this case uh, gave a decent sentence of nine years. Well, she actually, gave, uh, 12 year, she actually gave 12 years for the oral rape, three years for the sexual assaults to run concurrent. Mm-hmm. And then she uh, suspended the last three years, so nine yeah. years 
Yeah. In total. And how, in how, total. Old, how old is your daughter now? She's 30, coming up 33. Okay. She and was nine at the time. Must have had a devastating effect on, on her life and on your life as well, because I know in the article you talk about, you know, uh, Holy Communion and the innocence of a child during Holy Communion and to think at that time in her life that something like that yeah. was happening. Uh, you know, obviously you talk about the flashbacks. Uh, the, uh, back well, yeah, I mean, she's still haunted. Mm. You know, now she, I'm speaking on her behalf. She of knows course. I'm speaking. Yeah. Um, she, she is still haunted and she'll be haunted for the rest of her life. Mm-hmm. You know, flashbacks, nightmares. Yeah, of course. Um, of course. Just on a day-to-day basis, mm-hmm. there'll always be something there to remind her of what he did. You know, and it's always going to be a const- constant reminder to me as well. And as a you know, parent, every time I look at her, so, yeah, this, uh, this is what I was thinking, and something I never thought about. As a parent, you feel when anything happens to your child at all, even if they fall, and nothing as serious as this, of course. But even if they have a small fall, you feel responsible as a parent, absolutely, because you feel you should always be there to protect them. So that uh, that must be difficult uh, for you. It well, yeah, but it's not about me. And I, you know, thing, the thing is, I was there sometimes, mm-hmm. but when I say I was there. I could just be across the road at my sister's house. Yeah. You know, um, which is innocent enough. Yeah. But at the same time, I, I'll always look back and say, I was at fault. I brought him into my children's lives. Mm-hmm. You know, so, uh, yeah. you know, when, when parents say they'll always feel responsible, they're not joking. Yeah. They will always feel guilty and they'll always have them regrets. Yeah. And the one thing I would like to say, if it's okay, too single women out there with children you know when they meet somebody and a new new partner in your life yeah yeah, yeah. you think it's another chance of happiness you know just to be aware because you just it's it's really is a true fact you don't know what somebody's like until they come and live with you yeah so that is a genuine genuine and they you know they don't know your they're taking your children on board of course uh, as being part of you yeah but I took children belong to him on board as well yeah yeah. you know and at the end of the day it was mine that was being abused yeah you know so I mean it's just just people be careful that's all I'd say it's a horrendous story and and I suppose what we've been talking about over the last uh, you know few hours a lot of it by the way has been clerical abuse uh, and in yeah. Christian Brothers and, and sort of schools and stuff like that as well and I know it happened in media too particularly in the UK when you talk about Jimmy Savile and all these individuals yeah. who were sick human beings um, but there are other people out there who know what these individuals are like. And I, I don't know if Christopher Ashmore had friends or family or and I don't want to get into that too much today, yeah. but other people in his life who knew what type of person he was or knew that maybe he had some sort of attraction to children or that he was an abuser. I don't know if other people knew that. But if yeah, they no did, more than I do, yeah. yeah. But if they did and other people were aware of that, which in a lot of the cases we talked about today, there were people in authority who knew what they were like. But never yeah. said anything to anybody. I mean, and they're they're as equally as guilty. Do you do you believe they should be responsible too and criminally responsible? Yes, I do. Mm-hmm. Yes, I absolutely do. Mm-hmm. You know, they're every bit as guilty by their silence. Mm-hmm. And was no. was was Christopher remorseful at all when when he stood no. in court and you looked at him? Was he remorseful? No remorse whatsoever. I know he pleaded not guilty, which means obviously That's your right. daughter had to go through the whole trial. So yeah. th- I mean, he could have saved her that by by pleading guilty, but he didn't. Um, which, right, which yeah. I, believe I probably mitigated the, the sentence as well, by the way. The judges don't like when they plead not guilty, particularly in a case like this. Yeah. So, so he showed no sign of remorse, never apologised? Absolutely nothing. No. And no. Did, your, did your daughter give a victim impact statement? She did, yeah. 
and the judge commended her. And um, she said it had a, you know, she she understood mm. the the enormity of um, how it impacted on her life mm. from then till now, you know. Yeah, and of course, she still is. Yeah. And and when your daughter was given that victim impact statement, obviously Christopher Ashmore was there. Yeah. Uh, and he would have been looking at her. What, what no, was what was his? He, re- he looked it away. He never took his eyes off the floor. Right. You know, so I mean, he, so he, guard, so he's gone to jail. The that was there beside him was actually in tears, but he never raised his eyes from the floor. So he's gone to jail, not even acknowledging what he's done. No, that's incredible, mm-hmm. isn't it? It's absolutely incredible. Yeah. yeah. And when, so, when, when, when it happened, and I don't want to go too deeply into it, but, but when it happened, at the time it happened, your daughter did she come? She came to you, obviously, and told you about it. No, she was in her late teens yeah. when she first broke the news to my sister. Okay. Uh, she broke down at another a late sister's grave. Okay. And she broke down then. But she didn't feel strong enough then. I think she was only about 17. And she didn't feel yeah. strong enough at, the, at that time to go to the guards. Yeah. So she was in her mid-twenties. Okay. Yeah, so. Okay, okay. Teresa, it's a it's a horrible, horrible story, and maybe in some way she will get some peace by the fact that he's now in jail. I I don't know whether that makes her feel better, um, but it gives her some peace anyway that some some form of justice has been done. Yeah, and I'm yeah. not saying and, she, I'm not saying she can get on with her life, but but it's yeah. going to be difficult. Well, she, hopefully she can move forward. Yes, uh, yeah. a new beginning for her in in some sense, you know. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it wasn't just a slap on the wrist, it did help. Yeah, you know, because I mean, she she was like dreading that he would be given maybe two years and the last year suspended, and it, it, because it would have just felt like she'd done all this for nothing, she'd gone through all of this for nothing. Mm-hmm. But at the moment, she doesn't feel that way. She feels that justice has been done, you know, and it, it's it's horrendous. It really is bad, you know, that they can. Um, hand out one sentence like this and then hand out a two or three year sentence for like those boys, you know, know, uh, know. last week. You know, uh, she had a directive to follow that was handed down by, I'd imagine it was the judge that's over all the judges in the High Court. Yeah. Um, A directive and she needed to have a look at that before she handed down her sentence. Yeah. So she took into account um that directive, um, his letter that was personal letters that was sent in on his behalf, and Tara, uh, my daughter's impact statement. Yeah. And um, then she said she was going to give. Hand, she was handing down the headline sentence, and that's what she did. And and, and, and the same in in these other two cases too. Yesterday and obviously last week as well. The judge talked about how horrible the crime was. And some of the worst, yeah. the worst uh, witness statements that he had heard, but yeah. unfortunately, in those cases, they didn't get nine years. Yeah, you know, and Very, it's, yeah, it's it's awful that there's such a big difference, you know, for the same type of clients. You know that there's such a big difference, regardless of their age. Mm-hmm. You know, at the end of the day, they were not that age when they were carrying out them crimes. No, no, they were younger men. You no, know, yes, they were younger men, and they were they were attacking innocent children innocent children so they that should you always be remembered when you, when, see when you say that and I have that vision in my head of what probably was a 45 or 50 year old man 
with a young yeah. child of seven or eight years of age, you know, it's so disturbing to even contemplate that image. Yeah. You know, but and that's, that's, I mean, they don't they, they don't deserve to, to breathe the same oxygen as anybody no. else. But this is what the judges say. They really need, do need to remember that image, conjure up that image and remember that image when they're passing sentence. Rather than looking at the 80 or 90 year old man yeah. that's standing in the dock. Exactly. Yeah. And this judge did. Yeah. As far as we're concerned, this yeah. judge did. Yeah. You know, so that we're grateful for that. Yeah. I think I think your daughter is probably very grateful for it as well. Absolutely. Because when you go through something like that, at least you want to get some justice or a reasonable justice at the end of it. Well, of course, yeah. because yeah. I mean, as, you know, they're, these children grow up into adults and they're living this sentence for the rest of their life. Well, it's going to affect every aspect of her life. Every aspect. I mean, her own, I'm sure it affects her own personal relationships with men going forward, you know, all, all that kind of stuff. I mean, well, she met the right man and yeah. uh, they're still together after 11 years. Brilliant. And they have two children and he was, he was her rock. Yeah. And yes, Wonderful. they did have uh, problems and he yeah. understood and he stood by her and of they course. got through it. Yeah, and that's, that's what I'm saying. So, yeah. When that something like that happens, so devastating. We spoke to Paul earlier on too, who was who was raped at the age of five by a priest. I mean, when you think about carrying that through your life, it has to have a devastating effect on your life in every aspect of your life. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. it does. Teresa, listen, thank you very much indeed, and I'm very sorry that happened to your daughter. Okay. I'm very sorry you, as a mother, of course, went through that too, because that's that's very important to remember as well. You know, that that you are our mother and, and she is your child, your flesh and blood, of course, and no parent ever wants to see their child harmed, ever. No, we we always think that we're we're doing uh, good by our children, but yeah, yeah. no matter how good you're doing, you know, yeah. Yeah. bad things can happen. Of course, of course. Teresa, listen, yeah. thanks for sharing your story. I appreciate it, all right? Okay. Thank thanks, you very much man. indeed. Bye-bye. There you go, Teresa, whose daughter um, was uh, sexually assaulted at a very young age, a very, very young age, and the man responsible is now in jail for nine years. Nine years. His name is Christopher Ashmore, 75 years of age, and he's from Ballyfarnan in County Roscommon. There you go. He pleaded not guilty, but he was found guilty on four counts and four charges. Anyway, I'm really sorry to everybody, by the way, who was ringing in. I could, I could fill the show for two hours today with people's stories and stories of sexual abuse. Most of them, by the way, historical. They go back in time and people only now being brought to justice because it can take time for somebody to come forward as well. It can take time for somebody to remember a lot of the details of what happened, to report it to the police as well. And it can also take time because people maybe aren't brave enough. You know, I mean, if something that happened in the 1960s, people often say, oh, why are they only coming forward now? Well, you know, maybe they just weren't brave enough to do it until now. Maybe they're an adult now and they're 30 or 40 or 50 years of age. And maybe they feel now when they hear other people come forward and other stories, they feel brave enough to come forward. But up until then, there's a fear that they might not be believed. There's a fear that, oh... Sure, I could go to court for three or four weeks and, and nothing would happen to them and then I'd just feel worse at the end of it, you know what I mean? Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits.